Well, good morning. It's great to see you. You look great. And what a gorgeous day. What a nice weekend. The wind finally, hopefully, is settling down. I watched the family yesterday trying to rake leaves in the yard. Let me just give you a hint. Forget about them and the wind will blow them to your neighbor's yard. Right? <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. It's great to see you. And uh, we always welcome you. Hi to everybody online. Uh, thanks for joining us live. Be a part of this day with us. It's great to have you join us. What a fun weekend. I'm, I'm really enjoying the book of James. I'm learning, man, every speaker, every weekend, it just feels like something new comes out in it. And I've read James, I don't know how many times, but I'm continuing to learn and grow. And today we have a task, and I need you to really kind of sit up, put your heart and mind in this, because we're talking about a really big topic called trust. Trust. You guys, trust is a huge issue in our culture, big time. And I want you to really take this journey with me because here's a question I want to start with, okay? Just, just think about this for a minute. If out of one, one to 10, 10 being the highest level of trust there is in your life, okay? How many people would you say have made it to that level 10 in your life? How many people, just right now, start to think who, no, there are nine, they're out. Um, don't look at them or poke them or anything, just... Just think, how, how many, how many of you, do any of you have more than 10 people that would probably fit into that category? Anybody? Okay, a couple of you do. That's great. You're blessed. Over five? Anybody have over five? Okay, quite a few. How many of you are just not going to raise your hand no matter what? <laughs> yeah, okay. Repent now, come forward. No, I think, I think, I think five, less than five is typical. Is that, is that sad to you? Like, that kind of makes me sick inside. I'm like, what? I, I'm blessed. I mean this seriously. I'm blessed in my work. I'm around a, a lot of honest people. I have way more than 10 that I truly trust at a level 10. Very, very few people can say that. Of course, seven of them are my family. You know, but, <laughs> but, but I'm saying, many of you don't even have a family member you can trust. So it's, it's, a, it's really a big deal. Um, and I think we need to talk about that because James is going to try to tell us to trust God. And, and here's, here's why I'm, I'm using this as an analogy. If your trust level has diminished in your life because of your experiences with people who have let you down, do you think that it's possible that that might affect your overall trust level with God? I do. I think it does. And when you get disappointed and you have that as a track record in your life, you begin to say things like, I just I don't trust anybody. And, and that's a sad thing, but this is a reality that we have to talk about today. The other day I was going through, I don't clean out file cabinets very often, but every now and then they fill up and I'm like, okay, this is like 15 years old. I got to get rid of it. And I was going through some files and I came across this file. Most of my files aren't very thick. And this one folder was like an inch thick. And I thought, what in the world is this? I opened it up, and it was the closing papers on a house that we had bought years ago. We've already sold the house. But I thought, I'm going to look. I'm just going to take a glance at this. And I opened it up, and I'm not kidding you when I tell you 
that it started out by saying things like, um, you're signing here to say this is your signature. <laughs> Next page. You're signing here to say you're Derry Northrop and this is your signature. Next page. You're signing here to say the other two pages are true. <laughs> I mean, it just went on and on like that. Bonnie L. Northrop is your wife. You actually live together. You are legally together. This is her signature. <laughs> I, I just couldn't believe it. it was pages of, why is that? Because people lie. That's why. And, and they're constantly trying to put new laws out there, but no matter what they do, you cannot have enough laws to make people become honest. Law won't do it. And it's, it's, a, it's a cultural thing. It's sad. People have lied so often that people are trying to close, uh, close the loopholes, but it just it doesn't happen. You have the capacity to trust. We all do. You trusted some, something to get you here today. You trusted this chair you're sitting in. I doubt, I don't know, did any of you crawl under there and look at the framework? Before you sat down, probably not, because you've either you've sat in it before, or but if the last ten chairs you were seated in had fallen down, you might have checked it. But that's an object. We learn to trust objects because they are consistent. The reason we have problems trusting people is because they're not, and we don't always know the motive, and that erodes at our ability to trust God. That's where we're going today. I want you to think about it. I was looking. I had a, a change jar that I fill up and I pour it in a baggie. I, I keep my change. And then I, once it gets this baggie, this kind of gallon baggie full, and it's, it's quite a bit of money, and I go buy something, like, for Bonnie. And, and, and that's, <laughs> I got that in there, didn't I? Uh, and I was noticing it said right on these coins, in God we trust. And I, I kind of wondered about that. I'm sure there's a story behind how that happened. I wonder if it's like a statement that says, we trust in God more than we do this. I don't know. But a lot of people trust this and not in God. When I was a kid, I, I knew I was old enough to read because I read the sign. I was with my dad. We walked into a mechanic's office. He was working on our car, and there was a sign behind the counter that said, in God we trust. And then the line under it said, all others pay cash. Why, why is that? Yeah, it's a play on words. It might be a joke, but then I, I go into a lot of stores these day, days and it says, we do not accept checks. Why? Why don't they accept checks? Because people lie. People cheat. People steal. It's, it's, it's our culture and we're inundated with it. Listen to this quote. I love this quote. Trust takes years to build seconds to break, and forever to repair. I want to say that one more time. Trust takes years to build, seconds to break, and forever to repair. What a topic. I believe today that whole people have the capacity with faith to truly trust in God. And James is going to encourage us in this, I don't know about you, but I think I, I love this other quote. It says, 
I have, uh, this is actually a bumper sticker. I have trust issues because people have lying issues. <laughs> so James 4, let me introduce you to the chapter. When he wrote the letter, it wasn't in chapters. He just wrote a letter. This letter was read to multiple congregations. James comes after some things. If you've been here these past weeks, you know he's confrontive. He's not afraid to speak the truth. He says it out. He's calling them to a higher calling. And, and in chapter 4, as we break it down, he starts the chapter by saying, stop fighting as a church. Stop quarreling. There's nothing worse as a testimony than a church split, a church that's fragmented, a people that don't get along. That's not who the people of the kingdom should be. Then he says, don't you realize that friendship with the world is, is it's, it's adulterous. Not only is it idolatry, but we, we are not called to be people who love this earth. You know, there's this cute phrase right now, this is my forever home. Well, I've got news for you. The earth, this, this place is not your forever home. Thanks be to God. This is not our forever home. And then he says, hey, pay attention to your pride level. Arrogance doesn't please God. As a matter of fact, it's evil. And then he moves into this little area that we're going to talk about today. It's five verses. And the whole thing is about arrogance and pride that basically says when people say, well, I'm going to go to this town uh, and I'm going to build a business and I'm going to profit. That's what I'm going to do tomorrow. Those are my plans. And James confronts it and he says, how do you know what tomorrow holds? You're being arrogant. You don't know. You might not even be alive tomorrow. So he confronts this, this we'll talk about this. It's not, it's not opposed to planning. We all should plan. But it's opposed to the arrogance that says, I am in control of my future because you are not. And we're going to get that today. And we're going to find out why and who really is. Five things, if you have an outline, follow along that I think trusting God Involves Number one, trusting God, it's, it starts as a frame of mind. It's this idea that I am going to surrender and submit my life to God who made me, who created me. And my, my, my mind is going to live in this capacity that says God knows best, I don't. I'm going to trust him with every decision in my life. And that's verse 13. Look here, James says, you who say, today or tomorrow, we're going to go to a certain town. We're going to stay there a year. We're going to do business, and we're going to make a profit. Well, you don't know that. You say, well, it's not an evil plan, but the fact that you are saying that without acknowledgement of your mortality, that's what James is dealing with. You are mere mortals. Who are you to say you know this is what you're going to do? You don't know that. He's trying to get people to understand that their plans may not happen. Do not be so sure of what you have in mind for tomorrow. We, we had a tragedy in our family last year. Horrible. I have four sisters. I love them all dearly. And Tammy, one of my sisters, married to Wade, awesome guy, dear friend. They were approaching a stage in their life called retirement. And they were so excited. They live in Springfield, Missouri. She works for Convoy of Hope. She's one of the vice presidents there. And, and um, they decided to, to go down to Branson, that area down there. There's a, 
uh, Table Rock Lake. Anyone heard of Table Rock Lake? So they found this perfect house right on the lake. Beautiful place. Bonnie and I had the privilege of going there. And, and it's, it's a lake house. So this is like dream, right? And they're saying, we have plans. And they bought, they bought the boat. And they have a slip in the marina. And it's this amazing place. And we're like, wow, you're living the dream. And all this is happening. They get all settled. And, and Tammy goes home to their house in Springfield. Uh, one evening walks in. And her husband, Wade, is sitting in a chair, arms folded, passed away. Heart attack, gone. Doctor said it's, it's the widowmaker one. It just happens so fast, there's nothing you can do about it. He's 60 years old, he's a runner, he's in shape. He says, this is impossible. Tammy says to me, but we had plans. We had plans. This is what James is talking about. We make plans, but we don't know. You say, I don't have to live in fear, but it's just this idea that I need to understand there's a bigger concept than what I know in this life. He's not trying to make people live with uncertainty or fearful. That's not the point. He's trying to get us to recognize our own mortality and our own dependence on this God who loves us and created us. Number two, trusting God means holding my plans loosely. I'm not going to get so attached to them that my whole life revolves around them. Living fluid. I mean, there are a lot of ways that we can say that. And, and he asks a rhetorical question in verse 14, and this is the question. How do you know what your life will even be like tomorrow? It's a rhetorical question. He wants the people who are reading the letter to go, well... I guess I don't. I guess I really don't. I'm not in control. We don't know. I, years ago, I bet it's been a decade, maybe even more, when I did a, a little series here at Timberline. I'm sure you remember it. Um, <laughs> I'm positive you don't. But, but I've used this phrase because it, it captured me first, this palms up living thing. And I was, I was reading about Moses and when God said, Moses, look at what is in your hand. And it was his staff. And he said, throw it down. It became, and God used what was in his hand. And I, I had this little series birthed out of that that talked about palms up living. And for two years, this impacted me so much for two years. In my little devotional time, I'm an early riser. Usually I get my coffee. And I go sit down and, I, and I, I, I would put my coffee down and I'll put my hands like this. Probably every morning for two years I did this or close to it. God, I own nothing. Everything that I have, you have put in my hand. Help me to never do this. Not mine. I don't own this shirt. I'm a steward of it. I don't have control over my kids, my spouse. I don't have any control over any of that. They are gifts to me from God. And I live in a fallen world. And I must know that things are going to come out of my hand and things are going to be put in my hand. And all I'm called to do is steward them. That's how this palms up living thing. And I, I think that is what James is getting at, is you don't know what tomorrow holds. You guys, when I, I don't fly that much, but when I have a flight, Bonnie and I usually plan 65 minutes from this site right here to get to DIA. And it usually works out. But there is a problem. It's called I-25. Especially the last 25 years. <laughs> How many of you know what I'm talking about? You get on I-25, you go five miles, and all of a sudden you see red taillights everywhere. 
and you're one-tenth of a mile past the last exit. And you're like, oh, and you sit there, and you're, it's a parking lot, and you don't know what is ahead. And you're curious. Why? Because you're in control. I want to know what's going on up there. Does someone ever wreck these stupid drivers? <laughs> if I'd have known, I would have taken that exit. Well, you didn't know. That's the point. Hopefully, you'll make it. Pay attention to what you don't know. Number three, trusting God means living in God's timeline. And this is, this is hard to do. I'm not saying any of this is easy. But I'm saying it takes an effort emotionally if you have this frame of mind to say, I'm going to do this. And, and God's timeline, <laughs> I've learned, is very different than mine. And here's what he says. Now this is kind of at the heart and the core of the whole message. Your life is like the morning fog. Some translations are, it's a vapor. It's a mist. It just, boom, it's here, then it's gone. It's here a little while, then it's gone. What you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to, we will live in that city and build a business and make a profit. In other words, it's a surrender of the way I'm living. You say, well, that's just semantics. No, it isn't. I, I grew up in a culture, you guys, some of you might remember this, but where I would hear people say, well, Lord willing in the creek don't rise. <laughs> Anybody remember that? <laughs> well, Lord willing, I'll see you tomorrow. Lord willing, we'll get this done. Um, I, and I, I, I can still hear my grandpa saying, I can still hear people in the church I grew up in saying that because I don't know fully what God's timeline is. And so I must live with faith in God because he knows his plans that are made for me. Now, this is not about refusing to plan ahead. I just want to make this clear. Don't even take it there. Jesus, there's so many parables in Scripture. There's so much about, you know, sowing and reaping and planning and build your house on a rock. It takes longer. Investing. There's parables of the talents that are all about planning ahead. But it's the mind frame. It's the essence of what I'm doing this what my motive is in doing this and how dependent I am on God because I can't control it. James is saying that you can and should plan ahead, but you must surrender your plan to the higher plan that God has for you. And don't be so shocked when it happens. I want to just say this. I hear people sometimes say, well, God took my sister home, or God took my mom home, or God took my... And you know what? There are some cases where that very well may be the case. But we live in a fallen world where sin abounds and bad things happen. And God doesn't cause automobile accidents that killed your brother or your sister or your family member. God doesn't give people cancer to take them out or COVID or anything else. We are in a world that's filled with diseases. It's filled with sickness. We are at risk all the time. That is why this is not our forever home. So things happen. I don't have to say God did this. What I do have to say is, God, where do we go now? I don't believe you did this to me, but I do believe you are with me in it. And God will never, you, never waste any circumstance, any pain, any heartache that happens in your life. He will always bring something to you of value. That's what God does. He redeems everything, though he doesn't cause everything. 
We need to get that right. Number four, trusting God means living with humility. Now, this is, this is also at the heart of my surrendered life, is not being arrogant about what I know and what I can do. He says this in verse 16. Otherwise, you are boasting about your own pretentious plans. And all such boasting is what? Evil. Like this, this is like a, a word tied to the demonic side. Like it is of Satan. It is evil. And so there should be no pride, no arrogance in us about our plans. Trust truly involves humility. It really does. I'll, I'll even say this. The people that I trust most I don't mind submitting myself to their authority because I trust them. Submission is a problem when you don't trust. Or you can't trust. Maybe they're not trustworthy. This happens in marriages all the time. Well, submit to me. Well, forget that. I know you, right? It's, it's this idea that what are you talking about here? So, so this trust involves humility, and, and it's a triangle. If I could put trust involves humility and humility involves surrender. And then surrender involves trust. So it goes around and around. Trust, humility, surrender. Trust, humility, surrender. Trust, humility, surrender. And I live my life out with these components as I walk with God because I trust him. Now, the last thing in the outline, it's almost like he jumps to a new topic. But I want to tie it in. And it's, it's number five in your outline. It's this. Trusting God is responding to the knowledge that you have. Trusting God means I'm going to use what I know to do the will of God. How many of you have ever heard of this phrase? The sin of omission. What is that? It's, it's not doing what you should do. So we always think of sin as something I do. Oh, I did this, that was a sin. But sin can also be something I don't do if I know it. In verse 17, this is where we get that phrase, sin of omission, verse 17. Remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not to do it. We, we are the people who care about things that the world doesn't care about. This is an important point because this is humility living lived out. I think that's why James says it tied in with all this other stuff. So, so this, is, this is referred to the sin of omission. And, and if I know to do good and I don't do it, I am withholding the very gift that God has given me by the knowledge he has put on me that maybe I can do something about it. Let me give you an example. I, I sometimes really like to be naive about something because there's innocence in naivety. And I, Bonnie, you know, years ago, many of you know our journey with U-Count campaign and sex trafficking and all that. And Bonnie came to me one day and she said, I've been reading these articles about sex trafficking in the world. And Derry, it's horrendous. If these stats, and she started telling me the stats, and I'm like, I don't believe it. There's not that many people that are sex slaves and all that. And she goes, well, we need to find out because this is a problem. I'm like, I really don't want to know. <laughs> We end up going to India. Many of you know this story. I end up in this car in front of this brothel in downtown Kolkata, and I, it's five stories high, and there's all these little girls lined up, and for $2, you can take them up to a room and do whatever you want to them. And I'm like, I told the driver, 
I'm going in there. I'm getting these girls out of here right now. He's like, you'll die. You'll be dead in 30 seconds. I mean, I was John Wayne that day. I'm going in guns blazing, right? I'm taking them out. I'm taking them out. I'm going I'm to solve the world problem. I was so mad. I was so devastated. And, and if you've been around here, you know Bonnie started this You Count. Now Greg and Vicki Dix, it's just it's powerful how God has used you. You cared. Why? Because now we knew. This is a problem. We have to do something about it. I love I loved Timberline, and we're not the only church that does this, but I love Timberline because we're not afraid to go to the scariest, hardest, deepest, darkest holes on the planet because God puts knowledge in us and we say, this is not okay. We have to respond. We have to do this. It's easier to say, oh, I don't, I don't know. I don't care. I don't want to have anything to do with it. That's not who we are. And that's what James is saying. Feel the pain. Let me, let me, let me just do an umbrella over, over this message today and let's talk about this. When babies are born, they are completely trusting. They don't even know what trust is, but they don't know who they shouldn't trust either. They're just dependent. You feed them, they sleep. It's just how it is. And then they get a little older. We have a seven-month-old now, our granddaughter, and you know, all of a sudden they run the house. I want to eat now. I'm going to sleep now. And then they get a little older, they learn to walk, they get... They find out, they find out that they can bleed. They fall down and they find out that concrete is harder than skin. Right? What's happening? Naivety is going away. They go to school, someone says something mean to them. No one said this before. They come home crying in tears. You wouldn't believe what they said to me, what they say to you. It hurt my feelings. I'm devastated. I don't want to go back to school. How, what happened? They lost their naivety. And then that's that's life. Then they grow up and they see betrayal and they see deception and they feel it and they walk with it. As a matter of fact, I would propose, I don't know if you guys think this is right, but it's possible that the older you are, the less people you trust because of experience, which is sad. I know it's sad, but you've had a lot of pain and that's the reality of this world that we live in. We can't trust anyone. This goes way back to the garden. You guys, it's a serious thing. Adam and Eve are created. It's perfect. It's perfect. It is their forever home. Don't eat from that tree. Okay, the serpent comes along. Did God really say that? Well, I think so. <laughs> I, I trust him. Oh, you don't need to worry about it. Just take a bite. Come <laughs> Adam, try this. Well, didn't God say, well, just try it. Okay, boom. Suddenly their eyes are opened. They're living in shame. They know they're naked. They have all this sin problem that hits them between the eyes. And then Cain and Abel. This is just, boom, the next thing. Cain and Abel. Murder. Because I don't trust God. Jacob and Esau. Deception. Total deception because they, they didn't trust God. Abraham lies about who his wife is. Abraham. This is all in the Bible. David sees Bathsheba, the greatest king ever. He sees Bathsheba, lusts after her, sleeps with her, has her husband killed. All because I, I don't trust God. Kings and kingdoms lie. There's mistruth, there's deception. It goes on and on. Why? Because we are in that world where there is no truth. And truth is the anchor of trust. So Jesus shows up on the scene. And he stands up and he proclaims, I am the way. 
I am the, say it with me, truth. Say it again, truth and the life. The fact that he is the way and the truth and the life means that I can trust him because he is truth. He doesn't just tell the truth. The essence of God is truth and he is trustworthy and he cannot lie. And I'm thankful. I am thankful. God can be trusted regardless of what you do with people, regardless of the hurt and the pain in your life. There is a God you can trust. That's what James wants you to know today. You can trust him. You can lean on him. Don't live by yourself. Don't live in arrogance and pride. Don't proclaim everything you think you can do. Submit to God and trust him for your future. Trust him in your circumstance right now. Trust him for your kids. Trust him for your family. Trust him for your parents. That's what you've got to do. That's all you can do. Why? You're not in control. Here's what I want to do. I want to end our time by praying over some of you that are at that critical junction. Now, I'm going to just tell you, there are so many times in my life that I would, I would stand up I'm gonna ask some of you to stand in a moment who are at this crossroads. I would have been the first one on my feet, okay? So this has nothing to do with whether you love God or you're doubting God or anything. This is about you. I, I, I've, in praying about how to do this, I felt like we needed a physical action to take like a, a stand. It's kind of like taking a stand that I'm gonna put my trust in God. And for some of you, it's your life. I'm gonna, I'm gonna trust God with my life today. For others of you, you've already done that. It's, I'm gonna trust God. I'm standing because this situation I'm in, I can't fix it, it's out of my control, I know that, I submit. And I'm gonna stand and declare, I trust you, God. If you fit into either one of those categories, all we're going to do is have you stand. I'm going to pray over you, and then the rest of us are going to stand. So I'm not going to have you come up here or anything. Stand up if that's you. Go ahead. I want to pray over you. We're going to believe God to give you direction, guidance today. Anyone else? If someone next to you stood and you want to stand with them, please do so. That's great. Just to partner with them. Those of you sitting down, I really want you to just agree with me in prayer. Lord Jesus, you are trustworthy. We bring these things to you. We lay them at your feet. It's bigger than me. I can't fix it. It's out of my control. But I trust you because you're trustworthy. And you are the way and the truth and the life. So I submit to you today that I'm going to watch and I'm going to be a part of the solutions you bring. And I'm not going to grow bitter. I'm not going to grow angry and I'm not going to be impatient. You have a timeline that I believe in and I trust and I'm yours. Use me, what I say, what I do in every way that's best. I submit to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Will the rest of you stand with these, please? And let's just agree together with our eyes open. I want to say a blessing over us. Lord, we as a, as a people, and those online, just, just join us. 
We confess today you are the way, you are the truth, you are the life. We confess today that you are in control and we are not. We confess today that this earth is not our forever home. We confess today that we live for a higher calling and we put our faith in you forever and amen. Give God praise, would you? Thank you, Lord. Amen.